Welcome to episode 6 of Near Death Dolls. I'm Lisa. And I'm Paige. And we are your hosties with the mosties. While talking about ghosties. And other unbelievable shit. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm ready for some unbelievable shit. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today. We've got a pretty heartbreaking tale that Lisa will be covering for us. But first, Paige, what is in your cup tonight, girl? Girl, I will tell you because I'm excited about it. I found a very cheap wine that's very delicious, and it's a red blend, and I don't usually like red wine, so thank the wine gods for (laughs) producing this. (laughs) Blends are great. I think sometimes they get a bad rap, but I think they're a really great way of combining uh, different types or different grapes to make a really nice uh, taste on your palate. I agree. I am surprised at how much I like blends, certain blends anyway, but this one is called, uh, the, the name of the wine is Chateau La Paz, as in, in dog paws or cat paws. Oh, Yeah, so if you buy a wine of Chateau La Paz, they donate to no-kill shelters. Oh, that's wonderful, and yeah. that will actually come into play in our story tonight. Oh, snap! I did not I did not plan that. I'm glad it worked out, though. <laughs> you said that in a little bit of my heart sing, just a little bit. Uh, I heard but- it. I heard your heart sing, because you were like, oh. oh. Well, that's good. No-kill shelters are wonderful things to support. I agree, and it's a good wine. So everybody, if you get a Chateau La Paz in your grocery store or wherever you get your wine, I recommend buying the red wine blend. It's delicious if you don't like a too dry blend because it's not too dry, and that's why I like it. Yeah, I I don't tend to like dry reds. Mm Mm-hmm. But I prefer... It's too much. Yeah, I like uh, either... Uh, what, Sauvignon Blanc? No, it's not Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon. Cabernet Sauvignon. Sorry. That's it. I was like, I know there's a, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> a Cab Sav, if you will. Cab Sav, yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking? What you got? I am drinking a fine, sparkling lemon lime Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> what? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because yours truly decided to eat pizza and buffalo wings earlier, which was a no-no idea, and I just haven't been feeling right, so... And my mouth has been super dry, too, so I'm like, this will help hydrate my my mouth a little bit and settle my tummy. I'm sorry that your tummy's not doing too well, but that food sounds good. Sounds like you had a winner day. (laughs) A winner of a dinner, I did. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, Paige, I hope you are ready for this story because it is going to punch you in your emotional heart meat. (laughs) My emotional heart meat, my... my, My emotional heart meat is ready for a good punch in. So let's let's get going. Woo. All right, let's get going. Uh, no, no cheers for this one. I'm oh, I'm going to apologize in advance. This one like hurt me so hard and there's no trigger warnings in this. Um there's no graphic descriptions of things. Uh but it's just going to be really sad. Lame. Put some graphic descriptions in it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm down. <laughs> There there weren't there weren't many anyway, so but okay. once you hear the story you're just gonna be like, Ugh, why Lisa, why? <laughs> we need to feel something, so it's okay. I wanna feel alive. Oh, bad choice of words. Okay. Go. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> All right, here I will begin now. 
On March 24th, early in the morning, Jen and Sarah Hart loaded their six adoptive kids into their tan SUV and left for their Washington State home in such a hurry that they hit a retaining wall in their driveway, leaving concrete crumbled in their drive. They were taking what seemed to be an impromptu road trip south through Oregon to California along the coast. On March 26th, two days later, a German tourist in Mendocino County spotted their SUV at the bottom of a cliff upside down. News outlets immediately reported on the accident, unsure how this exactly happened. And that's what we're going to talk about, the Hart family. We're going to take it way back, and I'm going (laughs) to talk about Jennifer Hart, who went by Jen. She was born June 4th, 1979, and grew up in Huron, South Dakota. She was the oldest of three children. She met her future wife, Sarah Gangler, while in college at Northern State University in South Dakota. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Sarah was born April 8th, 1979. Uh, She grew up in Big Stone City, South Dakota. Now, I'm not sure if they met at school or while they were working at a department store um, called Herberger's. Have you ever heard of that department store? No. Me neither. It must be a northern thing. (laughs) Um, But it looked like a a nicer, it kind of seemed like a Macy's or a something like that. Like a Dillard's or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I looked at their website, and that's kind of what the feel I got. Um, They began dating in secret, and when they moved in together, they referred to each other as roommates because they were afraid of coming out and being ostracized for being a same-sex couple in the Midwest. So they had that going for them and against them. (laughs) And against them, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, (laughs) unfortunately. And sadly, at this time, this was in, in the early 2000s. Yeah, so maybe not as as accepting as it would be. No, right especially now. in the Midwest, it seemed like more on the East and the West Coasts are a little bit mm-hmm. more progressive in that way. But the Midwest tends tended to be, I guess, a little more conservative. If that's the right word, yeah. maybe not as accepting of yeah. two ladies wanting to bang. It's not just about the bang, and it's about the love. Love, right? Love and bang. Love and bang. Those were in my. Uh, those were in my wedding vows. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure at what point the couple moved to um, Alexandria, Minnesota, which they believed would be a little more progressive. I couldn't see that being too far progressive, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I don't know. Mm-mm. But it seems still Midwest-ish to me. That's what I was thinking. So I'm like, okay, but maybe it's the city in particular. So Big city, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, in the summer of 2004, Jen and Sarah are about 25 years old, and they okay. decide to foster a teenaged girl. Oh. Now, thinking about this, what were we doing at 25? <laughs> Uh, not fostering kids. I was nowhere near thinking about kids at 25. <laughs> Girl, I was just getting my first apartment all on my own, beginning my my vocation as a licensed massage therapist. I don't think I would have ever considered fostering a pet, let alone a human, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had my own place. I think I was renting a room in a house for like 400 bucks at that time. Right. Like, I'm just, so I'm trying to put myself in their head. I'm like, okay, I'm 25 years old and I decide to foster a child, or a teenager. So I'm like, you're yeah. only a few years away from this kid's age. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe they were mature. Good for them, though. If they're in love and they're having a, like, a, they have a solid relationship and foundation, they feel like they can take care of people, man, I support that all the way. That's awesome. Absolutely. 
Anyways, Jen and Sarah <laughs> take on a 15-year-old girl. So there's only 10 years in between them and their age. Yeah, yeah. More like a roommate. Almost, or like a younger sister, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I could see how that could be a fun relationship, right? Totally. Man, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> any any lesbian couples trying to take me in right now? <laughs> <laughs> you can put an application out somewhere, Paige. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so in an interview with the girl who wanted to remain anonymous... Uh, she said the first few months with the couple were fun. They did things like go to sporting events, concerts, camping, probably stuff this girl's never done before. That's nice. Very nice. She described Jen as a more outgoing, talkative, and sometimes moodier foster mom, whereas Sarah was the quieter one. Okay. Okay. Sarah's quiet. Uh, opposites attract for sure. Mm -hmm. I know between Kyle and myself, when we go out with other people, I tend to kind of take the back seat and let him lead with the talking. Not saying that he does all the talking, but he has that kind of personality where he can keep a good conversation going. And I jump in when I feel it's right for me, but otherwise I can be yeah. kind of the quieter one. So I can see, you know, how this is a thing. Right. Totally. Especially, you know, who knows, like depending on who I'm around with my boyfriend, but yeah, we'll, we'll switch off on who's more talkative and who's not. Absolutely. So people did describe Jen as the dominant one and Sarah as kind of the one that went along with whatever Jen wanted. A co-worker of Sarah and Jen said she remembered them complaining to her about their foster daughter, saying it was difficult. I mean, what kid isn't? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Especially fostering. You know, you don't know what they've been through. Exactly. And uh, they also said she had a strange habit, like eating out of the trash. Uh, what? Now, the foster daughter said in, in an interview later uh, that she never ate out of the trash, and that was completely fabricated. That's not a good sign for this story. <laughs> mm -mm. So, at this time, the foster daughter was in an, in an understanding with Jen and Sarah that she would remain in their care until she was 18 years old, which is only three years away, right? She's already 15, she's right. going to 18, and that's about the time... Finish out high school, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, it's about yeah. the time that kids tend to break off on their own for the most part, or in a situation like this, you know, you're no longer needing to be in someone's care. Yeah. Uh, now, I think she's still about 15 years old when Jen and Sarah start talking about adopting a set of three siblings from, what up, Houston, Texas. Oh. Sorry, in case, I, in case I've never mentioned it, I am from Houston, Texas. <laughs> I am too, so we've both got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to, they're thinking about adopting from Houston. Uh, the foster daughter was being told, hey, you're going to be a big sister. You need to make sure you set a good example and behave and blah, 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 stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. And the uh, the foster daughter was very excited. She's like, she couldn't wait. Like, I don't I don't know if she had siblings before she went into their care, but um, but she seemed to be very excited by her own admission. I know, right? I'm excited, except for the fact that she told me this is a sad story. So <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So, okay, well, I'm excited for them, their optimism anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Jen and Sarah end up going to Houston to meet the siblings for an initial visit. And when they come back, they show the foster daughter pictures and they all seem to be very excited. One day, okay. not long okay. after that, they drop the foster daughter off at her therapist appointment. And then the therapist breaks the news. The hearts weren't coming back for her, stating that they weren't a good fit. So okay. they had already packed up the girls' things, and they'd moved them to a new foster family's home, and Jen and Sarah didn't even say goodbye to her. They just left her at oh. the therapist, and the therapist had to tell, them, tell her. That's awful. Okay. So. Poor girl. Two years later, Jen and Sarah formally adopt siblings, Marcus, who's seven, Hannah, who's four, and Abigail, who's two years old. So they got some youngins Aww. here. 
Yeah, they do. And something I haven't mentioned yet, but will come up as I continue, is Jen is an avid Facebook poster. Avid. Avid. I highlighted that and blew it up on my page here. (laughs) Avid Facebook (laughs) poster. If you go on Google later or wherever, you can look up Jen Hart Facebook posts and you will find so many of her posts and she did it like daily and there's these long posts sometimes almost dramatic or poetic kind of posts it's just it's really strange and I know everybody has that person on their Facebook that just goes into great detail or they talk about something super inspiring and something about Jen and Sarah is they're kind of they're kind of I don't want to say it make this sound like it's a bad thing because it's not at all. They're kind of um, not free love, but they're kind of hippie-ish, very like uh, open, love the world, like love open each relationship? other. No, 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 not open relationship. They're in, they're they are in a committed. Uh, okay. I was about to say homogenous okay. relationship, monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> they're in a monogamous, <laughs> monogamous, not homogenous. <laughs> That's different. You're drinking alka seltzer, not, not alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> not alcohol. <laughs> I love words. Um, but they're they're kind of hippies. They're kind of um, very nature-based kind of people. Lots of sure. fun and color. And they're very... I don't know how to put it. Like, I don't know what the best descriptive word is, but they're they're very nature-y. Okay, so they're like uh, modern-day pagans, maybe like... Not religious-wise. Uh, not religious-wise, but like... Uh, peace and love. Very, very peace and love and okay. a hug can change the world kind of thing. Um, Beatles fans. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're Beatles fans, but um, then anyways, keep that in mind about them. Uh, years after adopting Marcus, Hannah, and Abigail, Jen wrote a Facebook post about what it was like having the kids in their house for the first night. She said that Marcus, the seven-year-old, was banging his head on the wall, talking in weird voices, saying he had demons in him. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, oh. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I have kid sisters and I have a bunch of nieces and they all kind of, they, they're goofy in that way. So, but then again, these kids are from, you know, a different life having been, you know, adopted yeah. out. Some upheaval. They've had some upheaval. Maybe they're looking for attention saying like, I got demons in me because they know people will pay attention to them. Right. Uh, yeah. Jen said that Hannah was gorging herself on food, choked on it and needed the Heimlich. Oh. Oh, <laughs> first part, hell yeah. Second part, ooh, maybe don't gorge yourself that much. <laughs> yeah, like was eating so fast and so much that she ended up choking and eating the Heimlich. And she said that two-year-old Abigail was, quote, urinating everywhere. And I'm like, she's two. That might happen, especially if these kids are coming from a traumatic background in a new home. <laughs> you said she's two? She could still technically, I mean, you know, she could still even just need diapers. Yeah, so I don't know if she meant like she was pulling off a diaper or just because uh, I know kids potty train at different ages and stuff like that. But yeah, and two it's is okay kind of like yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, you're right. Maybe if she's pulling the diaper off and running around, or she had previously been potty trained, so they weren't prepared for her to be like peeing on things. Yeah, I'm not really sure on the details, but Jen said she was urinating everywhere. <laughs> um, I've heard of children doing this because they're scared and they're in a new place and they're freaking kids. They do yeah. stuff like that, right? Yes, and there's regression yeah. with potty training for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jen was doing anything but trying to garner sympathy and kind of admiration for having stuff or 
stuck through a tough patch with these kids, but hello, that's what good moms do, whether or not they're biological. <laughs> yeah, so she, so she's going on Facebook and posting all these things like, oh, life is tough, but I'm just trying to be in a good adoptive mom so that people say, oh, you're, you're really, you're a good person, like, fawning yeah. over her. Okay. Kind of, yeah. And she posted this years later, kind of remembering back to how hard it was. And now she's kind of saying things have kind of come around where things are good now and the kids are well adjusted and stuff like that. So she's kind of remembering, um, but this whole long post about it, I tried to find the post, um, but I had a hard time getting exactly like word for word everything. But um, I'll go into my sources and everything later. Um, okay. Yeah, there were some okay. things that got screenshotted I think right after everything happened. Um, anyways, I'll get back on track. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so about two years later, they felt they were ready for more kids. So they adopted another set of three siblings. Okay. Six kids. Mm-hmm. So they That's adopted Devante, who was five years old, Jeremiah, four mm-hmm. years old, and Sierra, who was three years old. All siblings. And, and they are all related. Those, those three are related, and the first three are related to each other. So, two sets of three siblings. Wow. Yeah. Also from Houston? Yes, actually. I believe they were some... They may not have been in Houston, Houston, but I believe they were, like, close by. Hmm. Okay. Wow. They're pretty far away to be shipping kids up from Houston, but hey, if that's where the good kids are, that's where the good kids are. Hey, that's where we were, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm actually not that far away from Houston right now, so... (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... So what's really sad about this set of siblings, Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra, is that their biological mother had her parental rights terminated due to drug addiction, and the court refused to let her be in contact with them. Now, that's not the sad part. Oh. I mean, that's sad, but that's not oh. the most sad part. <laughs> so they were taken okay, okay. in by their aunt, who very much wanted them. Uh, she even moved into a bigger home with more rooms to accommodate them being there. Oh. Yeah, so she she really wanted them. She didn't want them to end up in the in foster care or anything like that. But and I don't think she was married, so she was trying to do it all on her own. Okay. So something must have happened that they thought that she wasn't a fit guardian. So one day, she gets called into work and she didn't have a babysitter. So she asked their mother to watch them while she went to work. And unfortunately, that day, a social worker paid a surprise visit and reported that the aunt had let this happen. Remember, the mom's not supposed to be in contact with the kids. So they took the kids away from their aunt. And the, the aunt did claim that their mother was sober at the time. She wouldn't have left them with the mom if she was currently on drugs. But because yeah. the courts had already said they're not, she's not allowed to have contact with them, this messed it up. And instead of I don't know, slapping her on the wrist or fining her or something, they took the kids away. Man, that's that sucks. Their own mom can't even go take care of them. Nope. And it sucks because the aunt wanted them so badly and she fought hard to try and keep them, but the courts were like, mm, nope, bye. Wow. Harsh, man. But they don't know what's going on. You know, the courts might just be trying to protect the kids. I don't know. I, I feel like the courts could have done better in hindsight, but at the time, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where is this going? This is intense. <laughs> oh, it's going to get so much more intense. Once the Hearts had a full family of six children and two adults, Jen stayed home with the kids and Sarah worked, worked full-time in retail. Something I feel is important to note is both women had minimal, if any, relationship with their 
their families, like their parents or siblings. And mm, when you're trying to okay. raise any number of kids, you really need a support system, even if it's just emotionally. Yeah, even if it's just friends that are nearby. And while they did have friends that or people they cared about as friends, I didn't see a lot of evidence that they ever had like people over to their house or visiting or anything like that babysitter type people yeah and I don't I didn't see any evidence or read anything about that um so from all the Facebook posts it looked like the Hart family or as sometimes they were called the Hart tribe they did a lot oh. <laughs> they did a lot of the nature hippie-esque outdoor activities uh they would sounds fun yeah they would go meditate as a family on the beach they were raising chickens uh they would go to festivals like beloved festival have you ever heard of that no, I haven't, but it sounds cool. What is it? Uh, it's kind of like uh, a lot of musicians and uh, group healing, meditation, yoga, that kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds a lot of that fun. That sounds cool. Yeah. So hippy dippy. <laughs> Little hippy dippy. <laughs> I, I chose the word hippy esque, but uh, hippy esque. Oh, okay. so you're trying to be nice, and I'm all like hippy dippy. <laughs> I'm not sure what the the correct vernacular is, but uh, I went with hippy esque. <laughs> hippy esque. Mm-hmm. Okay. And okay. Uh, I think they even describe themselves as, instead of beatniks, peaceniks. <laughs> I think it's something that they said at one point. And they would take the children with them, and the children would dress in, like, these different get-ups, like a zebra onesie, body paint, funky hats. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think they became known in the community and saw some of the same people on a regular basis, like, while at these events. So they kind of got friends that's, you know, kind of were able to see them as a family outside of their home. Um, Yeah. Everyone interviewed after their crash said that they were hashtag parenting goals and were highly regarded as amazing moms. However, there were some instances where people were suspect of the treatment of the kids. Some of the kids often looked distant and disconnected, stoic even. Hmm. If other adults interacted with them... They were uncommonly polite for kids their age. They did the yes ma'ams and the no sirs, which a part of me is like, I'm Southern, I grew up that way, or it was always, and still is, yes ma'am and no sir, you know. I remember that with you and your dad, you would always say yes sir, and I was like, huh, because I'm a hippie dippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and it's it's pretty much still the same way, even at work with, especially people, you know, the older people that I work with, I'm like, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. That's good. That's polite. That's, uh, I don't know. That's that's just Southern. A nice way to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> Show respect. Show respect. Mm-hmm. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me, Paige. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> it means sir and ma'am to you. <laughs> it can, yes. <laughs> but the difference, I think, others noted was that Jen would say, okay, guys, like time for a picture or get out there and dance. And the kids would have this the biggest thousand watt smiles and giggles. And people would describe the kids as almost lifeless until they were prompted otherwise. So they would go from blank <laughs> stares and faces, and then Jen would say something, and they'd be laughing and dancing and all this stuff. So they're, they they might be a little brainwashed, maybe. 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 Mayhaps. Mayhaps. Okay. So Jen tells everyone that the kids are developmentally delayed and that some were born as quote-unquote crack babies. Oh. And that was her explanation to why they were like that, that they were developmentally delayed. Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Crack babies. Crack babies, which I don't think is the correct term anymore, but like, Uh -uh. you know. Anyways, apparently people bought this explanation. Mm -hmm. 
so in 2010, the family was living in Minnesota and the children were attending public school. Teachers started to notice strange behaviors from the children. One thing being, the kids were often hungry and asked classmates for food. The school reached out oh. to Sarah, who said of one of the kids, uh, she's just playing the food card. Just give her some water. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so these kids are often asking for food or asking their classmates for food. And when the, someone at school tells their mom, she's like, eh, she's just she's playing the food card. Give her some water. Like, what the fuck? Okay, so the kids are hungry. That's not a good sign. No. Abigail, who is six at this point, she was reporting telling her teacher that she has what she called owies, which were bruises along her back and stomach areas. Oh, okay. <laughs> she tells her teachers, yeah, she tells her teachers she got in trouble at home because she found a penny, but her mom say, uh, say that mm -hmm. she stole it. And I'm thinking, okay, you can find a friggin' oh. penny anywhere, and kids tend to pick up pennies, they're closer to the ground, and hey, it's like money. <laughs> Shiny. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, even if she did steal it, that doesn't warrant a beating like she got. No, not necessarily. It's a fucking penny, for God's sake. Yeah, and even further, she told the teacher Jen had held her head under cold water while she was being hit. Oh my God, okay. That's beyond some punishment. That's some torture. Mm-hmm. So investigators got involved, and the other cart kids said their punishments were pretty normal, like being grounded or maybe going to bed without dinner or occasionally being spanked. Okay. okay. So I'm like, I've had all those before as a kid. Same. Yeah, that sounds normal. Uh, the strange thing is, when the moms were interviewed, Sarah, not Jen, said she was the one that gave the punishment, even though Abigail said that it was Jen. Oh. So Sarah's the one that spoke up and said she did it. And uh, I believe she was convicted of misdemeanor, domestic assault, and malicious punishment of a child. She got a year of community service and probation. What? Okay. And after this happened, the moms unenrolled all their kids from school and they moved to Oregon. Oh, so they're like, you know, let's make this problem go away by leaving town. Oh, not just town, the state. Yeah, like going to the, almost the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. To keep doing what they want to be doing, which is apparently torturing their children. Apparently. So now they're living in West Lynn, Oregon, and the kids are being quote unquote homeschooled. Okay. So we'll get into <laughs> no that. No more public school. <laughs> no more public school homeschooled. Sarah is wo working full time. Jen is staying home with the kids. But as it turns out, Jen is a huge PC gamer. So Aww. Jen's game of choice was called Oz Broken Kingdom. Have you ever heard of that? No. I hadn't either, Have and you? you and I are both kind of gamers, so uh, I had never Particularly heard... Particularly PC gamers, oh, both of us. It was a PC game, and uh, she was actually a guild leader, is what I believe is the title. I had actually listened to a podcast that went really in-depth on this case called Broken Hearts Podcast, and mm -hmm. um, they speak with another one of the guild members that played with her for, I, I want to say it was probably a couple of years. Wow. And he said she was a very good gamer, but very controlling. And someone <gasps> oh. else called her a stone-cold narcissist. Oh, okay. And this person's staying at home all day playing games with six kids that she's supposed to be homeschooling. This guy that they talked to, uh, he said that she talked about her kids, but he never heard her say a darn thing about her wife. He didn't even know she was a same-sex couple. Oh, okay. 
Okay, weird. It is very weird. He didn't say anything about her, like, being flirtatious or anything, but he, for whatever reason, she never talked about her wife. She never talked about Sarah. Strange. And he said she spent so much time on this game during the day, there was no way she was actually homeschooling these kids. Okay, this reminds me of something. Have you ever seen The Guild? Um, I, I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Oh, okay. There's, an, uh, there's a character in The Guild. It's a stay-at-home mom who's taking care of toddlers, mm-hmm. and she's always playing, and in the background, they show her babies, like, wreaking havoc because she's not paying attention to them. So this is what this is reminding me of. So someone must have found out and come forward and told Child Protective Services about them not actually being homeschooled. And someone else reported, I guess they had gone and stayed with some friends before, like as a family, they went and stayed with somebody. Oh, really? And this person reported that Jen, I guess, gave the kids each a very small slice of pizza each. And when they were unattended, one or possibly more of the kids like helped themselves to more. And when Jen found out, she punished them by making them lie on an air mattress for five hours without moving. Wow, that is strange punishment. It is very strange, but so CPS comes to investigate and they talk to the kids and Jen and Sarah. They essentially brush off the allegations, claiming that the only punishment they gave the kids usually was a talking to or making them meditate for five minutes. Oh, okay, and they're listening to the adults, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the CPS caseworker reported that the kids seemed very small for their ages and that they didn't seem like special needs type children as Jen had uh, described them to be. Interesting. Okay. And sadly, even though the caseworker felt there might be neglect or abuse, there wasn't enough evidence and the case was closed. Oh, that's sad. Okay. And if you go later on and you look at pictures of the kids, these poor mm-hmm. kids are so bony. It's so sad to look at like how skinny they are. Oh my goodness. Why starve them? That's the stupidest thing. <laughs> About a year later, Jen and Sarah took the kids to a Black Lives Matter protest in Portland, Oregon. And that is where Devante first became kind of famous. Huh. There is a, a very pretty famous picture of him. He's wearing a fedora, a leather jacket, which presumably is a faux leather. <laughs> I don't think the, the moms would be okay with real leather. Um, oh, yeah, probably not. And he is hugging a cop with tears running down his face. I don't remember if you... I remember seeing this picture years ago. Um, oh, you do? I, I remember this picture. It got around, so... Uh, Devante has shown in a lot of pictures in the past with him wearing a free hugs sign around his neck. He always had these, like, free hugs, free hugs, like, handmade signs that he'd wear around his neck whenever they went to festivals or they were out in public doing something. There's always pictures of him wearing a free hugs sign. I found it. I looked him up. It It's a picture of him in, like, a big orange jacket. Yeah. Maybe that's just the weird coloring. And it said, free hugs, pass it on. There's that, but there's one of him hugging a cop. I see a picture of him holding it up to a cop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see a picture of him hugging a cup. Yeah, and he's crying. Mm-hmm. So ac- according to the article on OregonLive.com, this picture was shared on Facebook more than 150,000 times. Aww. It was featured on CBS News, ABC News, NBC's Today Show, and Fox News. Wow. Dang. Okay. Most people were loving this beautiful display of racial unity, but according Mm -hmm. to Jen and Sarah, uh, they were also receiving harassing letters and emails about the mothers being white and all their adoptive children being black. Hate letters from who? I don't know. (laughs) Just hate letters is all they said. 
And they were being pursued okay. for interviews from media outlets. And they say this is what attributed to their next move to Washington State. Because they didn't like the attention that they mm-hmm. sought out? Yep. A little bit? Yep. Okay, okay. <laughs> Not liking the attention, I guess. I guess not. (laughs) Okay, so in May of 2017, the Hearts buy a home in Woodland, Washington. The three-bedroom house is on two acres of land, which costs about $375,000. Wait, how how many kids they got, and they got a three-bedroom house? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) So, thinking about the price, $375,000. To me, that seems like a very hefty financial investment for a one-income, eight-person family. Sure. It sure does. Mm -hmm. I think Sarah was only making about $45,000 a year as a assistant manager of a Kohl's uh, department store. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did get some money from the state of Texas for adopting the kids just to kind of help them out. But still, that's got to be hard. Like, doesn't sound like they can afford it. No, I. I'm, we'll get into that a little bit more. It also sounds like they're trying to hide something if they got all that land. They talked about um, how they not only they wanted it for the kids, but the kids also themselves wanted it um, to start oh. like. Uh, what's the word? living off the land, kind of, so they ended up, like, getting chickens, and they had a couple cats and dogs, and, um, what else do they have? Hippy-dippy. Hippy-dippy. <laughs> Hippy-esque. Hippy-esque. Nice, <laughs> polite way to say it, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be correct as much as possible. So, the Hearts live next door to a retired couple named Dana and Bruce DeKalb, and they're going mm-hmm. to play a pretty big role in the story. From what I could find, okay. the DeKalbs didn't have a lot of interaction with them initially. It sounded like the drive-by, wave-at-your-neighbor kind of relationship. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I have that. <laughs> right. I'm like, so do we. <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? Great. Okay, bye. I'm going back in my house I don't now. remember your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But one night, while they were in bed, they hear someone pounding on their door. Oh. So... Bruce opens it to find Hannah, who's 16 at this point, wrapped in a fleece blanket. She runs up to their bedroom, where Dana is still in bed, and yells at her, you got to help. Please protect me. Don't take me back there. They're racist and they abuse us. <gasps> oh, my God. Dana tries to calm her down, and then they hear Jen and Sarah with the other kids outside looking for Hannah. They make it over to the DeKalb's house and push their way in, according to Dana. They didn't ask to come in. They literally pushed their way in. Mm-hmm. They start running around the DeKalb's house trying to find Hannah, and they do find her in the master bedroom where she's now wedged between the dresser and the bed. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So she's scared and she's hiding. She seems like she does not want to go home. No. Jen and Sarah go in there and try to get Hannah to come come out. Sarah ends up going back downstairs to the kids, and Jen coaxes Hannah out. Jen has Hannah apologize to the, to the DeKalbs, but Dana DeKalb notices it's a very dead robotic response coming from Hannah. And later, Jen and Sarah had Hannah write an apology letter, and I'm going to read it to you. Please do. After I take a <laughs> sip of my delicious uh, Alka-Seltzer water. <laughs> I was really hoping it would keep my mouth a little bit moister, but I keep, it keeps drying out, and I'm like, Bleh. It might be drying you out. I don't know. I haven't had Alka-Seltzer in a long time. Well, it has kind of a saltiness to it, so I was hoping it would keep my mm. mouth a little a little moister, like drying in the moisture, but eh, it's whatever. Okay, so here's what the letter said. 
I stopped this morning, meaning she came over to drop off the letter, but she says, I stopped this morning because I feel awful, awful, <laughs> awful. <laughs> I'm going to start it again. Okay. I stopped this morning because I feel awful about disturbing your peace and worrying you in the middle of the night. I was very frustrated with my brother and didn't handle things very maturely, and I'm sorry for telling lies to get attention. I'm working on being more honest and find better ways to communicate my frustrations. I've been pretty sad about our two cats dying recently, so I was just very sad and frustrated last night. Thank you for being kind. Hannah. Oh my god. Okay, this just sounds like they basically told her verbatim what to write down so that these neighbors forget whatever, you know, they heard from Hannah in the first place. And you know what? Dana DeKalb thought the exact same thing, like she had been very much prompted on what to say. So, well, this whole thing bothered Dana and her husband, Bruce, but Bruce said essentially it's best not to get involved, which people say that, right? It's best not to get involved. So Dana told her father, and it didn't sit well with him, so he ended up calling the cops about two months after the incident. And you, uh, if you listen to the Broken Hearts podcast, which I did, you actually hear interviews with Dana, and um, you hear the, the call that uh, Dana's father made, talking about how he's like, you know, my daughter told me the situation, but her husband said, don't get involved, and he's like, but I, it's not sitting right with me, so I'm calling. So the sheriff's department contacted Dana and Bruce, and they relayed what happened uh, with the family. And Dana remarked that she had never saw, seen the kids outside oh playing, to which the Debbie replied, it's not illegal to keep your kids inside, or something to that effect. True, but also they have all that land. Mm-hmm. Why not let your kids outside? <laughs> exactly. And the sheriff's department never followed up after that. Scary. Oh my God, those poor kids. Okay. I know. Dana started watching as much as she could over at the house heart, the house heart, the heart house. <laughs> Dana the heart started, household. Yes. Dana started watching as much as she could over at the heart house and noticed how the only kid who seemed to go outside was Devante. And he, that was only to wheel the garbage can to the road or to sometimes do some yard work. Okay. So they're not having a lot of fun, these poor kids. Nah, that didn't seem like At that. least not outside. No. Dana said she waited a few times until she saw Devante taking the garbage out, and she did hers at the same time and tried to strike up a conversation, mm-hmm, but he mm-hmm. wasn't engaging with her other than to say hello or goodbye for the most part. And after that, she noticed the trash was either taken out by one of the moms or done like really early where Dana <gasps> had missed it. Oh my God. So Devante came back in and said, I talked to the neighbor and they're like, never mind, you're not going to take the trash out anymore. Actually, I think what had happened is I think it was Jen saw her trying to talk to him, and that's what happened. I think somewhere I either read that or heard that, that Jen had seen it and kind of put an end to it. Oh, my God. Can't even talk to the neighbors. Okay, Mm -hmm. there's something fishy going on here. But not long after that, Devante went next door and asked the DeKalbs for some tortillas. (laughs) Like a cup of sugar, but tortillas? Exactly. Like, you just go over, you're like, hey, I'm kind of out of this. Do you have some? Do you mind if I have some? And uh, they didn't really think much of it, and they gave him some. The next day, Devante went back and asked for more. Oh. So they were having a lot of tacos. Hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Can you just give us some tortillas, and mm-hmm. we'll eat them in our rooms where our moms can't see us? I mean, we're making tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip? <laughs> right. <laughs> My bad. 
Oops. And the next day after that, he asked if they had any non-perishable foods. He even showed up with a little list asking for peanut butter, fruit, cured meats, anything that would keep. Oh my God, these poor kids are having to like write down a list of food that they want to eat that they think the neighbors might have. Yeah, anything that they can probably keep out of the refrigerator, essentially, that can be hidden. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh my God. Yeah, they're probably keeping it like under their bed or something. Maybe. Dana wrote down every interaction they had because she wanted to make sure when she contacted the authorities again, they would take the situation seriously. So good for Dana. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just telling the authorities that the kid's coming over with a list of food that they want to eat seems Mm -hmm. a little strange. Very strange. So Dana remembered asking Devante why he needed the food, and he told her that the moms withheld food as punishment, sometimes for days on end. (gasps) Oh my fucking god. (laughs) And what's even sadder is, one, he said... Well, we misbehave. We're teenagers. We deserve it. No. No. And Dana actually replied to him like, no, that's not okay. Like, that's not a common thing. Like, kids should still be fed even if they're being punished. Like, you still deserve to have food. Right. Yeah. Punishment should not include starving your kids to the point where they feel like they have to ask the neighbor for food. It must have gotten really bad, right? Right. And he, the other sad thing is he told Dana that everything Hannah had told her that night about the moms was true. That they're racist? They're racist and abusive. But he asked Dana not to contact the police because he didn't want to be separated from his siblings. Oh my god. So they're trying to take care of each other. Yeah, I think that's... And, and Devante, he seemed to be the one that actually the moms... Uh, favored if you can call it that but it always seemed to be him a little bit more featured like in Jen's uh, Facebook post there was a lot of him I wonder if it's because he initially got the big photo of him with a policeman and so it's like oh yeah look he's still around this person that went viral that's my son I don't know why but they they always seem to favor him the most When they asked him if Jim would notice him missing from the house, he said the moms didn't pay much attention to them, so that's why he could sneak away. What? Okay. (laughs) He visited the DeKalb's ten times total, asking for food. Ten times asking for food. So the the first time he knocked on the door, it seemed simple enough, like, hey, I have some tortillas. We just ran out of tortillas. It's like, okay, sure. And then it's like, by the way, can we also have meat, cheese, Fresh fruit. <laughs> I think it was a couple times after asking for tortillas. I think sure he had asked twice for tortillas, and then he asked for tortillas again. She said, we didn't have any, but I have some bread, and I have this and that. And then the next day, he's like, hey, do you actually have like any non-perishables that I can have? Oh and she, Dana said that he was very, very sweet and polite. And um, she told him to come inside, and he said, no, I can't come inside. I'll stand right here oh outside goodness. the door. And he's the only one who can get away with this. He's the only one who can get away from the house because they trust him and they favor him. Possibly. I don't think it's because they let him out of the house because he's like, hey, I'm just going to go outside for a few minutes. I think it's just, I think Sarah mm-hmm. was at work because apparently she worked a lot trying to provide to for the family. afford this house. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. While Jen is so engrossed in her video games that she probably doesn't notice him sneaking out for a few minutes, you know. To ask for food mm-hmm. because yeah. they're starving. Exactly. 
So with all this documentation that Dana has, she calls CPS and reports the situation. CPS comes out to the Hart home and attempts to make contact, but no one ever answers the door. Oh, they don't even go outside, so it's not like they're not at home. Right. And uh, they did have two vehicles. They had the SUV and they had a Sunfire, which I don't know if you remember my first car, that red thing I had. That I was a Sunfire. <laughs> it was great. I remember driving around listening to the Rent soundtrack. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful time, but uh, unfortunately theirs was... And you know how small, it was a two-door car, and I believe Jen, or sorry, Sarah's car, was that was the one Sarah drove to work, and then they kept the SUV at home. So it's not oh, like okay. the SUV was gone, and there's no way they could have fit all the kids into the, um, Hell no. into the Sunfire, like, you remember, <laughs> my car was I small. do, and it's fun for two teenage girls, but for a family of six kids, no. no. There's no way. No. And... CPS tried on March 23rd, March 26th, and March 27th, but they were never able to speak with any of them. They never answered the door. You can't just not answer the door and expect to get away with it. I don't know. Well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> on, I don't know. Yeah, on March 23rd, Dana saw that they had taken the kayak that they usually kept on their SUV off. Okay, so they had a kayak, but they never used it because they never let their kids outside? No, they went on, they did other things where they went outside because um, there was always pictures of them doing things. So anytime she saw the car coming or going, the kayak was on top. You know, some people just strap it on and leave it all the time. Yeah, yeah, just leave it there for whenever they want to go out. Exactly. So she noticed for the first time that it had been taken off the SUV, and that's on March 23rd. Hmm. The next day, which is March 24th, the SUV was gone and the kayak was left in the driveway. And Dana said in an interview, we knew they were running, but it never occurred to me that they needed to be intercepted. <gasps> Whoa. Okay. So we know they're running. Wow. <laughs> yes. So because CPS had tried on three different days to talk to them, they obviously know someone's knocking at their door. Yeah. But now now they're scared and they're running. And they're not even, oh my God, with all these kids in the house and the CPS person just knocking at the door, is she just like holding them down and saying, don't make a sound, don't let them know we're here? From what it sounds like, they were either brainwashed or something. Because, I mean, think about it. They had all these kids from under the age of seven on. And at this point, mm -hmm. they're all about teenagers. So think of years yeah. and years of being under their control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, that's your whole world. Right. It's sad. So early that Saturday, uh, like I think around like three in the morning, Sarah texted her coworkers at the cold store that she worked at and said she was too sick to come in that day. Uh, mm. The day before, she, I believe she had worked and her coworkers are like, she seemed fine. Like she didn't seem sick, but she texted them, said she was too sick to come in. Okay. That's Saturday. Okay. Sunday morning, Jen stopped at a Safeway grocery store to purchase some food, such as canned pasta, bread, cereal bars, crackers, bananas, and carrots. Okay. The store's security camera captured her uh, paying at the register, so there's proof of what she bought and that she was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By Monday, when Sarah hadn't shown up for any of her shifts all weekend and wasn't answering her phone, her coworker that she was actually closer with uh, called the police for a welfare check. Really? Interesting. So she's really worried. And if you listen to the that podcast, I was telling you about the Broken Hearts podcast. Uh, the coworker like w was pretty close with Sarah um, at work. You know, you have your your coworkers that you're really close to just at work, but you probably don't talk much outside of work. 
Yeah, sure. And you see them like every day. And then, yeah, exactly. And they would be the ones that would be worried about you. Right, especially if you're not showing up for work. So Monday that the uh, co-worker called also happens to be the Monday where a tourist saw the SUV at the bottom of a cliff. (gasps) Oh, wow. Okay. So they went to the grocery store. Or, you know, one of them went to the grocery store. On Sunday. Mm -hmm. On Sunday. So they picked up food. Mm Mm-hmm. They picked up food, and it sounded like uh, somewhat non-perishables. Mm-hmm. Like good for in the car, maybe? Yeah, like snacks. Somewhat snacks. Camping food, I guess. Yeah, yeah, could be. But at the bottom of the cliff was the SUV, and in the wreckage were the bodies of Jen, who was in the driver's seat, Sarah, Marcus, Jeremiah, and Abigail in the back seat. Sierra's body was later discovered washed up along the beach. A oh foot was found and was identified as Hannah's uh, sometime later, and Devante's was never found. Oh. And people really held out hope that he wasn't in the car, but after some time, he was declared legally dead. Because they never found him. Right. And after so long, sometimes people, like other people, will do that. Oh my goodness. So, Jen's blood alcohol revealed that she had been drinking, something people said she rarely did at least in front of them. Her blood alcohol content was 0.102, which is about 25% higher than the legal amount, which would be... Care to guess? Was it like 0. 0.8? 0. 0.08. 0.08, okay. So think okay, about that. Wow. 0.08, and hers was 0. 0.102. Oh, <laughs> so it's quite a bit above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 25% higher, about. And she was driving. And she was driving, and it's speculated that Jen drank so she could have the courage to do what she did, which was drive him off a cliff. Oh my god. So, Sarah's autopsy revealed she had taken approximately 42 doses of a sleeping drug, and the three, chil- three of the children had tested positive for a drug called diphenhydramine, which is an active ingredient mm-hmm. in Benadryl and z which I found out last night when I was looking at my z to take some. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, look, that's the drug that the kids took. <laughs> it was kind of eerie because last night I wasn't feeling well. I'm like, I just need to get to sleep. I'm going to take a little bit of this. And I was looking at the active ingredient and sure enough, that's exactly what it is. So it's literally oh. something that will make you very drowsy. Oh my god. So they gave, they drugged their kids, they drugged themselves, and they drove off a fucking cliff. Yes. Jesus Christ. And while some people were like, okay, well, they had maybe some Benadryl in their system, which isn't uncommon. I take Benadryl like probably once a day for allergies because allergies are really bad right now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Depending on the time of year. Yeah. It gets very eerie once police find searches on Sarah's phone. And here's what she searched. Can 500 milligrams of Benadryl kill a 120-pound woman? Oh my god. Is death by drowning relatively painless? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. The next one, which this was the most absurd one, and I'll say why in a minute, but how long does it take to die from hypothermia while drowning in a car? Now, that one got me because I'm like, I'm pretty sure the drowning's going to get you before the hypothermia does. Have you ever seen Titanic? Exactly. You're not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ. So they're looking up ways to kill them, their their whole family. 
and the last search, let me tell you the last search, and this is the one that got me earlier. No kill shelters for dogs. <gasps> oh, that's why my wine triggered you a little bit at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume they had some dogs. They had dogs, and I believe the dogs were found at their residence later. Alive? Alive. Or drugged. Okay. Oh, God. I hope they weren't drugged. I'm hoping alive, like, un- undrugged. <laughs> Because, I mean, they, they were your, what you say, hippy-dippy, and I doubt they want to hurt any living creature, which is kind of contradictory to what they did, but... Except their entire family And they didn't people. take the dogs with them, so there you go. Jesus Christ, why did they feel like they had to kill all of their kids and themselves? Girl, we'll get into that. I mean, good question. Oh, 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 okay, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> Anything you could possibly want to know, I still have here. I am ready for this shit. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so after the search, um, at this point, you'd presume after the searches that I just mentioned, um, yeah, it's, it's presumed that Jen and Sarah both had it in their heads that they were going to kill themselves and the kids based on their search history. Right. Their their car's computer or black box. That's kind of like what's on the um, like on an airplane when an airplane crashes. It kind of records the last know. things. Have you ever heard of that? I didn't know that a car had one. Cars have them to a degree. I don't think as much as an airplane does, but the car's computer can record certain things. Okay, and okay. Yes, the car noted that, that they had pulled up near the cliff um, and stopped mm-hmm. and then hit the gas at full throttle going over the edge. <gasps> oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Well, if they had ta- okay, okay, this is my only hope. If they had taken so much of that sleepy time medicine that all the kids were asleep when this happened, this is what I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that too, like so much. So there's wow. a lot of speculation about why they did this. Some say it was okay. to avoid being found out that they weren't the the family that they were portraying in public or on social media. Right, yeah, yeah. That they, CPS was starting to come after them. Maybe they got scared and said, you know what, we're just going to end it right now. (laughs) Dramatic. And some say it was due to growing debt, which I think they had about uh, $21,000 in credit card debt, which is a lot, but it's not unmanageable. Like, Mm -mm. people have more than that in student loan debt, so it's not like... It's not that bad. And there's always bankruptcy. If you had to declare bankruptcy, it sucks, but you can do it. There's places that help you with your credit. There's credit consolidation. There's so many options, especially for that so that quote-unquote little of debt. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's debt, but it's not something they couldn't have handled. Supposedly, yeah. Uh, some say one of the moms was terminally ill, and that's why they did it, but there's no evidence at all. I was it. just going to ask you. I was like... I was like, who said that? That was just just speculation that had no one had any reason to back that up. I I, I just Just a hypothesis of like, oh, uh, one of them might have been sick, so everybody has to die. Yeah, no, I just I thought that one was kind of stupid, but they it was mentioned in several articles and things, but I think it's stupid. Hmm, I do too. When investigators went to their house and searched, they found that the house was pretty tidy. But there were some strange things. Um, Mm -hmm. So you know how the moms said, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, and I thought I had added it. Maybe I didn't. But uh, the family, the moms often said that the kids were so thin, it was because they were vegetarians. But Hmm. I'm like, okay, all right. It's possible. But they shouldn't be thin, because guess what? Vegetarians can eat Oreos. (laughs) 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 Yes, they can. (laughs) 
There's okay. calories. There is calories out in the world is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that. But uh, the, anytime ever anyone asked, you know, why the kids were so thin, it's because they were, had, were on a plant-based diet. But when they opened the fridge, they found hot dogs, corn dogs, pork, chicken, and I think ground beef. Okay. Wow. So they're not they're they're not even just lying about how good of parents they are. They're lying about being plant based. Mm-hmm. A lot of what they did was very based on how they wanted other people to perceive them. I think. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we're we're a same sex couple. We've got all these kids we've adopted uh, from a different race. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a picture of one of our sons hugging a policeman. And guess what? We're also plant-based. But if you look in our fridge, you'll find some fucking hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Not even tofu dogs, which I have. And they're delicious. <laughs> but hot dogs. Okay. They didn't have tofur- tofur- tofurkey? Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> like tofu turkey? <laughs> tofurkey? Tofurkey is a thing. It's a brand. It's delicious. <laughs> They could have bought that, especially, where were they, Washington? They yeah, have that stuff of that. available. That whole area is very uh, big on being plant-based, vegetarian, hippie-esque. vegan. Very hippie-esque. Yeah. They didn't need to well, lie about it. Apparently, they felt like they had to. Apparently. Apparently, they wanted the attention. Also in the house, on the countertop, they found 17 bottles of wine, which they claimed that Sounds the- good. I mean, it does, but they claim that they didn't drink for the most part, or if they did, it was very, very little, and have, I mean, I guess you can always have wine, but it seemed like there was a lot of wine for people who didn't really drink anyway. Yeah, quote unquote, we don't drink. Right, Kyle and I keep maybe a bottle or two, we have like a little mini wine fridge that we got for our like wedding, and we keep a bottle or two in there, but we don't drink that much wine. Yeah, yeah, it it's it's unless you have like a fucking old school wine cellar under your house where it's like we keep 100 year old wine in there, mm-hmm. there's no reason to have, especially for people who claim online, I don't drink much. Mhm. Exactly. So, anyways, they just thought it was very contradictory to what they yeah. were portraying. There's nothing wrong with having 17 bottles of wine. No. Don't nothing at, at all. <laughs> No, I know, right? (laughs) It was just very contradictory to what they had been portraying. Right. It's the it's the fact that they were hiding from CPS. It's the fact that they were saying online, "Well, well, we don't drink much." Mm -hmm. You know, it's and we're plant based, but there's hot dogs in the fridge. Like that pisses me off more than the wine. Like, why even lie about it? There's plenty of people out there who aren't plant based. It's not like you're going to get ostracized for having hot dogs in your fridge. I don't know, girl. (laughs) Okay, so you remember how we were talking about the three-bedroom house, right? Sure. Okay, so in my head, I'm like, okay, you have a big family. Maybe you could only afford a three-bedroom house. So you'd think one of the bedrooms would be for the moms, maybe one Mm -hmm. for the boys and one for the girls. Like, that's... That's what I would think. That would be an arrangement, right? Yeah, and you know, I've known plenty of people who have grown up in that situation, and it's not that big of a deal. It's like you get used to it, you're closer to your siblings, etc., Right. It's what would work in the situation. But the master bedroom was Jen and Sarah's, but the other two rooms weren't decorated for kids. No kids stuff like toys or anything personal of the kids. Any beds? One of the bedrooms had a bed, but it was also being used to store supplies for remodeling. So it didn't look like the bed maybe was being used. I'm not 100% sure. And the other room had two like foam 
love seats that you might find like in a game room. Like not real. Huh. Like they they look like something I used to have in my game room when I had one when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But it but I think um, and I think I read somewhere that there was like a small mattress pad or something like laying on the floor that maybe the kids might have slept on. So to me, it's so sad to think that these kids had so little in a situation where they should have had so much, especially like real love. But I mean, they've been taken from parents that didn't take care of them right to moms who seem like they would be the best thing for them and really should have been. And it seems like they didn't give these kids anything 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 at all yeah why adopt six fucking kids and then decide okay we're we're just gonna put down a little pad on the floor they can sleep on it and then the Mm -hmm. rest of stuff is ours (laughs) why bother so like these kids i don't know if they were brainwashed or what but i have i have several like unanswered questions i kind of want to put out there because i think if you research this case on your own or if you listen to the broken hearts podcast which i highly recommend like i Mm -hmm. binged that podcast i think there was like eight maybe nine episodes it was so good and so well done um but here's some of the Mm -hmm. questions i kind of had um and let me tell you how old the kids were at the at the time of their death because that comes into play so uh, Jennifer and Sarah were both 38 at this time. Wow. Uh, at the time of their death. Marcus was 19, Hannah was 16, Devante 15, Jeremiah 14, and Abigail 14. Sierra was 12. So my huh. question, one of my questions, I guess, I had thinking about this was, Marcus was 19 at the time of his death, and I'm wondering why he didn't try to leave. Was mm-hmm. it because he was so brainwashed, or did he not want to leave his siblings? Could have been a little bit of both. I wonder about that. Mm-hmm. I think um, at one point when the DeKalbs saw them like all together and they introduced themselves and I think they said, you know, Marcus is 19 and uh, I think Dana or Bruce said, well, you, you'll be leaving soon. And I think either Jen or Sarah said, well, we hope not. <gasps> and I'm thinking this poor kid, like he probably has no education because I believe yeah. he went from the time he was seven living, I want to say it was seven years old that that's when he was adopted. I'm wondering how much education he has. He probably has yeah. no prospects of college at all because, hello, <laughs> the situation. No, no education. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm wondering why he, he didn't leave. But that's, that's one question I have. The next question I have would be, so Jen Hart was drunk when she went off the cliff on what they think was beer. And I'm not sure how they determined it unless they could test her system. But my thing is, number one, they fled the house, right? They stopped to get groceries. And I'm wondering, where did she get the beer? I don't know if she already had it in the car when they left. Did she stop at a bar or a gas station and got it? I'm wondering at what point she got it and when did she consume it? You know what I mean? I wonder about that. Maybe they had a bunch at home because they had a bunch of wine and they just took the beer with them. But is it... <laughs> Maybe this is a personal preference. I don't like chugging beer. I'd prefer to have more wine than beer. So they decided to bring the beer with them instead of the wine. I don't know. That's interesting. I think maybe, I don't know if she was drinking and driving when she did this or if mm-hmm. they pulled up to the cliff and sat there while she like shotgunned a whole bunch of beers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. But I'm wondering... Uh, but also, if they're in a can and someone sees you drinking a can as you're driving, it's probably a lot easier than watching you drink a bottle of wine. You know, even if you put it in yeah. a solo cup, it's weird to see anybody drinking out of an open, an open cup. 
you know, it's probably it a little is. more inconspicuous to drink out of a can. It could be a soda at that point. Yeah. Exactly. It can look just like a soda. Yeah, that makes sense. My next question is, like, whose idea was it to die? Like, who decided this was a thing? And I feel like... It has to be Jane. Jen. I totally think it was Jen, because she seemed like the one who was just in charge. And she... Yeah. I feel like she probably would have proposed the idea, and Sarah just went along with it, which... I'm like, did did Sarah even try and talk her out of this? Like... Right. We can live, like... How much of a brain did Sarah have that she's just like... Wait, you want us? You want us to all commit suicide together? Okay, let me just call in sick to work. What? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm totally speculating on this. I don't know how, but I can't believe. Like, I don't know. Even if things got really bad for Kyle and I, I could not see us. You know, just, no, no. I just can't see Mm-mm. the other one of us going along with it. No, not at all. There's no. I don't. I don't personally believe that there is such thing as like uh, the deep hypnosis to the point where you can't even think for yourself so I don't even think that it's possible that someone would have convinced her apparently years ago because they've been in a relationship forever and they've had these kids forever and apparently have been abusing these kids forever I don't believe that she went along with it without feeling some sort of like I'm involved like she had to have some sort of tie-in where she's like this is a good idea or maybe jen just bullied her into it because i feel somehow like jen was kind of a bully if she was a control freak yeah Mm -hmm. maybe but if she controlled it so much you know the other person's still an adult yeah at some point you're hopefully you would stand up for yourself and say no this is not okay right and the fact that she well she might have at some point but the fact that she went along with this whole suicide pact thing Mm -hmm. it makes me think that she was complicit in some point even just to say like okay whatever you say it must be a good idea because i trust you which maybe she shouldn't have trusted this person no so my last question that i would really love answered was this did Jen and Sarah really want these kids because they truly felt they had the love to give and then they just couldn't manage it? Or did they do it to be like saviors of these kids for like social media? Or was it a money scam since the state of Texas was paying them, essentially giving them kind of supportive money? To have these kids. To have these kids. And something that sticks out to me is Sarah told that one coworker that I mentioned earlier that she wished she had known she didn't have to have so many kids because she probably wouldn't have adopted them. Wait. Oh, hold on. <laughs> she said she wished she would have known she didn't have to have so many kids. Whoever sat her down and said, you have to have fucking six kids? <laughs> probably Jen. <laughs> probably Jen. Probably Jen. But... You're a fucking adult. You already know how to use Google as evidenced in the evidence after their deaths. Google it. You have to have this many kids. And I don't think she meant like she had to have them, meaning like, I don't know if you, I know you come from a big family. You have a lot of siblings and Mm -hmm. some people, when they come from a big family, think, well, I should have a lot of kids because that's how I grew up and that's kind of what I want and what I should have. And I guess so. I mean, not always, but maybe Jen was like, you know, we need a big family because we need a lot of love or, 
And she told her coworker, you know, I wish I knew I didn't have to have so many kids. Yeah, maybe she was expressing some sort of disinterest in what her wife was preaching. I guess so. I, you know, I, I don't know, because remember, Sarah's the one that worked, and she, apparently she worked long hours, and sometimes six to seven days a week, and then she would go home and relieve Jen of caring for the kids, which I'm like, how much caring was Jen really doing, number one? Playing games all day. Playing games all day, yeah, and... And here's the thing, nobody knows what their life was like inside their home. Everyone just saw what the outside looked like. And everything outside was pretty much a staged thing by Jen and maybe Sarah. Yeah, yeah, so we don't actually know what it was like inside the house. Except the little bits of information we got from the neighbor and Devant coming over saying, can I get some tortillas? Because they're starving. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is, okay, that's another question is there's an 18-year-old, 19-year-old in the house. Why is this little boy, Devant, the only one who could sneak out? Oh, I, because, I don't know why Devante was the one that could sneak out because I, I maybe he was just the braver of them and I don't know. I don't know why he was the one that was allowed to sneak, not allowed to sneak out, but got to sneak out. Maybe, I wonder if they were, well, hopefully, I'm hoping like, the situation was that they were all working together and they're like, okay, you're still small. We're going to run interference and you get out of here and go ask for some food. <laughs> Honestly, because everyone said that Devante was the one that was favored more by Jen and Sarah. And, you know, like I said, there's way more pictures and stories about him and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, maybe he would get in less trouble. Mm. Maybe. Maybe he could get away with, not get away, but kind of get away more with saying, oh, I just went outside real quick because I I don't even know what kind of uh, excuse you could use because it's not like I left my toys outside because they hardly ever went outside. Right. I, I uh, went to go get the mail. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason for him to go outside, unfortunately, it seemed like. so. Unfortunately. So this was a heart-wrenching case to research, and I keep thinking about these kids and what it had, what they had to have felt. Like, I wonder, did they feel better when they were around others, like at these festivals, because the moms pretended to be nice and loving? Or did they feel more isolated because they knew it was an act? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, these poor kids have been raised since they were little mm-hmm. by these ladies who are telling them, like, we have to stay at home. You don't get anything to eat if you're being a bad kid. And apparently these moms are racist. So why did they pick kids from a different race i don't know interesting I, I think a lot of it and i hate i hate to do this but i really feel like it was jen a lot of the time she mm-hmm. was the one that was always posting and all of the pictures were very very staged you can tell yeah. you can definitely tell a lot of these pictures are very staged mm-hmm. and then the captions were always like these super deep conversations she was having with the kids And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I highly doubt that's the conversation you had with these kids. Not because kids can't have deep conversations. They can't. They can't. But these conversations all just seemed very, very fake. Right. Like she wanted someone to believe that was the conversations they were having. Like Mm -hmm. she wrote it up. Oh, yeah. No, there's, I highly doubt there was any, anything. And one of, here's one of the things. One of of her posts had a picture of one of the kids. And I want to say it was probably Devontae, but I can't remember who it was holding like a tray of like seedlings like plants seedlings like up really Mm -hmm. high just I think it was like showing just his eyes and then the plants coming through and she wrote in her post something like our house is filled with all these seedlings because we're getting ready to go transplant them outdoors 
and after the accident, when the cops come and look, there were no seedlings. I think there might have been just that one. Just for the picture. Just for the picture. A lot of things seem to be just for the picture. Oh my god, that's awful. That is awful. And then they 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 had this whole like quote unquote famous viral picture of one of their boys, Devante, hugging a policeman. And you wonder if the mom went up to the policeman and was like, Can you just hug my little boy for this picture? Actually I think what I heard was number one, that Devante was already crying before he even went and hugged the cop because he either was kind of scared of what was going on at this protest or something mm-hmm. but someone noticed he was crying before and mm. she kind of prodded him to go hug, go hug the cop because he has a you know a free hug sign right and this is a white cop yes and i think they talked to the cop and he said you know they just had a quick chat about I can't remember what about. And the cop said, I like your sign. Can I have one of those? Meaning, can I have a hug? Yeah. And so they hugged and they got the picture. Um, I of think the picture. Devante crying. Devante crying. It was actually done by a um, an, an actual photographer, not Jen. So it's not oh, like she yeah. put it out there, but um, an actual photographer did put it out there. But here's the thing. Um, it seemed like Jen very much was the one to push him to do things um, at one of the festivals. There's actually, if you go to YouTube, go after mm-hmm. this, <laughs> go to YouTube, Jen Hart still has active videos, and there's one of them at a concert thing. And Devante is dressed in a uh, zebra onesie. And oh. they're very they're right at the front of the stage, and someone else is recording this. I don't know who, but uh, they're recording it, and the... The singer kind of motions for Devante to come on stage, so Jen's like pushing him, like go, 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 and he goes up on the stage, and I think he's crying, and he's holding the singer, and the singer keeps like playing and singing and hugging, and it's very, I don't know, it just felt awkward to me, mm-hmm. but um, he held him for like a good like minute or two, and then when he yeah. went back, Jen like hugs him and holds him and. And you see Sarah behind, like, go and, like, reach and, like, touch him. And I'm like, I don't know. To me, it just seems so weird. It's weird. It is weird. It's like a a child star thing where there's no genuine love until the kid is popular. Maybe. I I don't know at what point everyone identified him as the favorite. I think it just Mm -hmm. comes from how Jen posted about him. But... There was also, what was the other thing? There's a video, I think, that Jen Hartzell has on YouTube of the kids singing a song, and they're mm-hmm. playing instruments, not really playing them. There's like a tambourine. There's some one of the kids mm-hmm. holding a guitar but not playing. And it's odd to notice that Jen's probably the one holding the camera, and you see one of the kids kind of stop and then turn yeah. over real quick and hug his sibling or hug their sibling. I can't remember who was hugging who, but they kind of like stopped and looked at the camera and then turns and like, like hugs, oh. like, oh, oh being prompted watching. to, like someone told him like, hey, hug your sister or something like that. Like a little signal, like you better hug that person right now or. <laughs> I don't know how menacing it was, but it could have been just a very staged thing. Like if I, if I do this, if I make a motion with my hand behind the camera, you better hug your sibling or oh, you're going to not eat for three days, maybe. Maybe. There's so many unanswered questions in this, and it's that's why it's so hard uh, 
to me is because you can't go back and ask anything. Only thing you can do is go off from what other people tell you and mm -hmm. what was documented mm -hmm. as fact. And uh, that's the case. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. So all these, this whole family dead. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. What, a, what an episode. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, in, it's, it's because these things are happening. I feel like we need to be talking about them to raise awareness of like, if you're that neighbor where the kid's coming over, and I know she tried her best. Obviously, she called. She told her dad about it. She told her husband about it. But if you've got neighbors coming over saying like, I need food, not to be like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Here's some tortillas, but I'm not going to help you any way else. It's like, the awareness needs to be raised of like, there are people out here like this who are starving their kids and, you know, keep an eye out. Something else to be pointed out is, I think I read that while there are databases for criminal things, there is no database for, ch I think, child abuse in, or, like, in between states. So remember how they were moving from state to state? They started in, yeah. um, they started in Minnesota, went to... Oregon, then Washington, and they never were followed up on with all these other things because they kept moving and there was no documentation between the states. So if something's happening in Oregon, they couldn't find what was going on in Minnesota because they didn't know about it. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Like if they don't, if they don't have state to state, I mean, CPS is like overloaded. Maybe they don't have enough personnel, but if they could have something like state to state of, hey, keep an eye on this person. If you get any reports, please mm -hmm. follow up, not just knocking on the door a couple times, like actually, I don't know, if you knock on the door and they don't answer, maybe try to get a warrant to get inside the house. I don't know, but you're right. Like that's, that's the lesson here. Yeah. So keep, keep your eyes open, watch for signs. Definitely. If you see something, say something. That's a good point. And it's not like, it's not to say that like all couples who are of same sex origin shouldn't adopt kids. That's not it at all. It's that it's like, if kids are trying to tell you something's going on, maybe listen a little bit. <laughs> right. But you know, I'd rather have someone call and say what they've seen rather than not, even if it's just something minor. I mean, don't yeah. call if, you know, you just have to use your best judgment and go with your gut because I feel yes. like a lot of people overlooked something if this had been a straight couple or maybe a same-sex male couple. Uh, I feel like maybe someone would have said something, but because they were, as you said, hippy-dippy and vegetarian and lesbian and this they presented you know, themselves very well which they is did. the problem they fooled a lot of and people and it's like yeah they fooled people and it's like if one if on one hand you see that these people are like oh perfect couple perfection doesn't exist and then this little boy's showing up saying like they starve me if i act out then you kind of think like uh what <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> that's well, rough I, I think i'm ready to end this one <laughs> <laughs> do it end it <laughs> let's close this chapter <laughs> all right guys well that's our episode we appreciate you listening be sure to check us out on instagram at near death dolls podcast you can tweet us at twitter uh at near death dolls and send us an email at near death dolls at gmail.com 
thanks for listening. We appreciate it. If you could give us like a follow or a subscription or a review, we'd really appreciate that. We would love that so much. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. A special thanks to Sam Hears for our art and music. If you'd like to see more from him, check out the links in our show notes.